Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for this wonderful story of Ruth, and we pray now that as we enjoy it and share it together and learn from it, your spirit would be at work and that you would teach us, young and old, all of us would know more of the love of Jesus Christ that has come to us through the scriptures, through, uh, through history now, is ready, present for us to take hold of today again. We pray that we would know it by the power of your spirit, for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Do you know what? I think any children, and this is an all-age talk, so if any, of, if any of you children would like to come to the front, we need to just keep our distance a little bit so we can't sort of crawl on top of each other. But if any of you would like to come to the front, maybe with someone bigger in your family, there is space, plenty of space around here, and you can gather and you can see, because you see, we will need a little while. You say, I mean, hang on a minute, wait a sec. I'm just going to travel back in time. I'm just taking my shoes off, and I'm going to put my. I'm going to commit a terrible fashion faux pas. My wife, Katie, she worked in fashion, and one of my friends commented when we got married, she was a fashion designer. She's marrying you, a fashion victim. <laughs> well, the thing is that actually that was quite true, and. Oh, look at that, so socks and sandals look, that is, I'm sorry if anyone does wear socks and sandals, but I think that is a bad look. If you're offended by that, then just look at me, isn't that bad? <laughs> the socks and sandals look, but here we go, because we travel back in time to the days when they used to wear their sandals all the time in Israel. And uh, they will, sandals come into the story a little bit later on, as you might have heard in Lawrence's reading. And actually, I need to prime a reader who wouldn't mind reading for me with a good loud voice at the back? I wonder, Yanni, would you do it in a minute? I need you to go to the back, and when it comes to it... Oh, look, I just can't even bear to look at my socks in my sandals. It's something so disturbing about it. Um, there you go. Those are the verses you need to read, um, 16 and 17. So you go to the back, because you're our Ruth. So you go to the back. I'll call on you in a moment. Right. The question is, what does Prince George have as his bedtime reading? Have you ever wondered that? You know, um, uh, um, William and, and uh, Catherine's little one. What does he have for his bedtime story? I wonder if he has stories about the kings and queens of the past. Do you think he has stories about, um, well, maybe he has stories about his, his um, great-grandmother. She, she served in the First World War as a nurse. Oh, duty! That's what I need to learn. I need to learn that I need to do my duty. Maybe that's what little George thinks as he has his reading, and that's what his parents say to him. Look what she did. Maybe they read back and they say, mm, let's not talk too much about King John. He was a little bit of a... Let's not talk too much about Mary. She wasn't too good either. She was the one who, well, she wasn't very nice. You'll learn about her in history at school one day. Why don't you be like Alfred? They could say to King Prince George, look, here's a story about Alfred and how he built up England, or Wessex as it was, and turned it into the whole country and built castles and forts every 20 miles to protect against the Vikings and beat them and established learning and schools and, oh, be like Alfred. Well, I wonder what bedtime stories God the Father would have had read to little baby Jesus I wonder what stories the great King David of the Bible used to have. Have you heard of King David? He was the greatest king in the Bible. What stories did he have about his ancestors? What was told about his ancestors? Do you know what I reckon? When David was a little baby, 
I reckon uh, that he really should have had the story about Ruth and Boaz. Ruth and Boaz, because do you know what? They were his great-grandparents. Is anyone here a great-grandparent? Have we got any great-grandparents in the building? Yes, we've got some great-grandparents with hands going up around. They just get younger and younger, the great-grandparents. <laughs> the great-grandparents of the little, of, of, of great King David were these amazing pair, Ruth and Boaz. And Ruth and Boaz had a great story. Baby King David could have read the story of Ruth and Boaz and gone, oh, I want to be like them. They were amazing people because they were so incredibly kind. Kind is a word that in English is a bit weak. We say, oh, that was kind of you. So it's a bit of a weak word. It isn't in Hebrew. The Hebrew word is hesed. It's a strong word, and it refers to the kindness, the loving kindness of God towards people who are outsiders, who don't really have any claim or any deserving of his kindness, but God is so incredibly kind. And Ruth and Boaz, they show us this kindness. So first of all, let's think about Ruth. Ruth and the kindness of the devoted outsider. Because she was an outsider, Ruth, she didn't come from God's people, Israel. She came from a real dump of a country called Moab. It was a real cesspit of a country in lots of ways. In its history, in its practices, it was a complete dump. And Ruth was from that country. And the, but the, the sad thing was that um, it, the story starts with a lady called Naomi. Naomi is married um, to a man called Elimelech. Elimelech is, they've got two children called Marlon and Kilion. And Marlon and Kilion, Elimelech and Naomi, they, because there's a famine in Bethlehem where they live, in, in God's people in Israel, they go to Moab, this country that wasn't a very nice place. It wasn't a good place to go at all. They went to Moab because they were hungry and they needed food. While they're in Moab, Marlon and Kilian married Ruth and Orpah. They were, from, they were girls from Moab, from Moab. It's very sad, indeed, because Elimelech, Marlon, and Kilian died. All the men died. And so, Naomi, Orpah, and, and Ruth, their husbands have all died, and Orpah says, well, I'm going back to my people in Moab. So Orpah goes. But uh, Naomi says, well, I need to go back to Bethlehem, back to Israel, because I've heard that the Lord has provided food and that the harvest has come at last. And Ruth, this is where Ruth, the outsider, showed how devoted she was. I'm going to go to the back, and uh, Yanni, I'm going to hold the microphone out so that you can read. The oh, yeah, brilliant. There's a microphone there for Yanni to read the verse. Because just listen to what Ruth said. When Ruth, what, what did Ruth say to Naomi? She was so kind to her. Go on, Yanni, read it out for us. Don't ask me to leave you. Let me go with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and that's where I'll be buried. May the Lord's worst punishment come upon me if I let anything but death separate me from you. What a speech. She's saying, I am completely committed to you, Naomi. I'm going wherever you're going. Your God is my God. And so, just like Yanni is walking up the aisle now, so, Ruth, 
walked with Naomi all the way back to Bethlehem. Thank you, lovely reading. Walked all the way back to Bethlehem just as the harvest was beginning. Oh, look, the harvest is ready. I've got a harvest field here. Now, I don't know the English name for these plants, but they are called Dolce, this is the Latin name, obviously, Dolce Coco Virtus, which means something like sweet chocolate green thing. That is what this plant is. Can you see the beautiful plants here and what's growing on them? You can see what's growing on them. Maybe the camera can zoom in so that you can see on the live stream the beauty of these trees. Now, when Ruth got back to Bethlehem, the way that the Lord had provided for people to, to, to live when they were poor was to glean in the fields. To glean. That what you did when you gleaned was you went behind the harvesters and you picked up little bits that dropped on the floor after the harvest. Do we have any willing gleaners here, by the way? I'm the harvester, and I'm going to go through picking. Anyone going to be, anyone going to, come on, Anna, you can be a gleaner first. So the harvesters go along, and as they're picking, of course, um, you know, they pick bits, but bits fall off as well. So, Anna, you follow behind the harvesters, like this is what Ruth did, gleaning and picking up as they went. Whoopsie-daisy. There we are. Okay, oh, well, oh, look, you're picking up plenty. Oh, I think you've picked up enough now. I think you've gleaned enough now. Anna, the gleaner, you can go and say, anybody else want to glean? Whoopsie, the plants are falling down. So I'm gleaning here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm harvesting. Who's going to glean now? Come on, Effie, you can do some gleaning next. Um, so I'm harvesting quite well here. But actually, what was lovely is that Ruth ended up gleaning. Do you like gleaning? It's quite good, isn't it? Gleaning. Come on, you can come into the field. And, um, and I'm, I'm, uh, any, anything that I leave left over or that I forget to pick, the harvester, you can glean. There you go, you've gleaned a bit. Tony, do you want to come and glean? Come on then, you come and glean as well. So, roots in the field, any, you, you're allowed to pick any off the tree that haven't been picked yet, because that's what, the glean, that's what they could do. So you're going to go gleaning. I'm harvesting a few here, but any left over you can take. There we are. Oh, I mustn't take that because the harvesters were instructed not to touch the ground. There you go, you got some as well. Brilliant, okay. Now, there's even some left over, so people can come and glean later if they want to. And um, the amazing thing was, guess whose field Naomi, the devoted outsider, ended up gleaning in? She ended up gleaning in the field of Boaz. Now... Ruth, that's the kindness of the strong, uh, of the, uh, Ruth's is the kindness of the, of the uh, devoted outsider. Boaz is the other, is the, he, he's the other one in the story, Ruth and Boaz, and Boaz is this man, and we're going to call him the strong redeemer. Boaz the strong redeemer. Ruth happened to go gleaning in Boaz's field, and she followed behind Boaz's workers, and Boaz spotted her, and he went up to her, and he protected her. He said to his workers, he said, make sure you leave extra behind so she can pick it up, because you see, Boaz had heard all about Ruth's kindness, and he was a man full of kindness as well, and he thought, I love that kindness in Ruth. So he said to the, the workers, you look after Ruth, make sure she's got plenty she can glean, 
And so Ruth did. She filled up her pockets and her bag and everything. She went back to Naomi and she said, look at all that I've gleaned today. And Naomi said, wow, what a person, what a man it must have been whose field you gleaned in. How generous. And she said, yeah, his name was Boaz. And Naomi, well, she nearly fell on the floor and started laughing, lying on her back with her legs flipping in the air. She was so happy. Boaz! Why? She said, he's one of our family redeemers. What? Said Ruth, what's a family redeemer? I come from Moab. I don't know about things like family redeemers. What are they? And Naomi would have said, oh, let me tell you. A family redeemer is someone who is a relative, and if somebody close to you dies, that relative can come in, or even should come in, and buy the land of the dead, the person who's died, and even take that, the, the, the widow, the, the, the wife of that dead man, into his own family, so that they can continue that man's family in the, among the people. Boaz is one of our family redeemers. He's one of our special relatives who can step in and who can rescue us, can redeem us. And so Naomi gets very excited and she starts to dream. And that's when this story turns into a romance. Do you like romances? Maybe you were, I don't know, maybe you were, maybe you were a bit of a sin. I don't like romances. I just, well, this is a wonderful romance. So what happens? Let's clear the field out of the way. And um, there we are. Is there, still some, is there still some ungleaned harvest? Here we go. Let me throw a few of these out. Anybody? Let's see. Let's see if anyone can catch. There we go. There's, a, there's one coming over there. Who want, I do, who's good at catching? Let's see. There we go. James is singing to see. Let's see if I can throw it to James. Oh, yeah! Howard nearly got it on second go. Anybody else? Let's have a, let's have a go. Let's see if Andrew and Barbara can catch. Whoa, bosh. Um, anyway, so we've got these plants here. We're going to remove those out of the way, and we're going to turn this into the threshing floor because the threshing floor is where Boaz was sleeping that night. The threshing floor was part of where they sorted out all the grain that they'd, that they'd taken from the field. And um, Boaz actually slept on the threshing floor that night, and, and Naomi came up with a plan. Here's Boaz's blanket. And Naomi came up with a plan. She said, Ruth, tonight Boaz is going to be sleeping at the threshing floor. She said, what you need to do and don't ask me why they did it in this way. Adam, you can listen to Adam's sermon last week on it if you like, because it's very good, and he spoke about this. She said, uh, Naomi said, Ruth, go to the threshing floor, and in the night when Boaz is asleep, uncover the blanket where he is sleeping and lie down at his feet. And Ruth must have thought, mm, okay, doesn't sound promising, but I'll give it a go. So she perfumed up. And off she went, and she lay at Boaz's feet, and Boaz wakes up in the night and realises that Ruth's there, and he is so happy. But he's, he's, a bit of, he's, he's a bit of an old boy, Boaz. We don't know how old he was, but he was, he, Ruth was this young woman, and he, he was obviously, he had obviously taken a shine to her, seriously taken a shine to her, because he'd already made some inquiries about her to find out, because he knew that he was her family, her, a, a relative, of, of her dead husband, he knew 
that he might be able to take her into his home and marry her himself. And he obviously wanted to. So he was so pleased. And he said to Naomi, he said, he said to Ruth, he said, Ruth, you're so kind to notice an old boy like me. And not go off after one of the young men. And Boaz was so happy. And Ruth was like, oh, he's so wonderful, I imagine. Because they were so, they were both full of kindness. They're the perfect leading couple. Do you know what? We know about power couples, don't we? They've been in the news this week with Bill and Melinda Gates. Some of you will have been following the news this week. Look, Ruth and Boaz, they weren't like a power couple. They were like a kindness couple. They really found each other in their kindness. So, but the problem is, Boaz has done his research, and Boaz knows that actually there is another family redeemer who's a bit closer, who has more right than he does to redeem. And so Boaz is a bit worried because he thinks, I really, really want to do this. I want to buy up all the land of their family and I really want to marry Ruth. But he knows there's this other man and he has to ask this other man first. And so he does it all properly. And so, in the, this is where um, Lawrence read from, Boaz, who's a guy who really knows how to make things work, one of the things I like about Boaz. He was really, he knew, he, he knew his way around. And he sat at the city gate, the town gate, in the morning. The town gate was, that was where people used to meet. Let's clear the, um, clear the bedding out of the way, because it's morning now. And Boaz sat down in the gate, because that's where people did deals. And along came this other man, this one in the family, who was closer than him to Ruth. And so he said to this man, hey, sit down. So the man sits, sits down, and uh, Boaz says to him, he's very clever, Boaz, he says, hey, Mr. Mr. Closer Kinsman Redeemer, he says, I've got a business proposition for you. Oh, have you, says the other man. Yeah, says Boaz. Um, Naomi is selling all the land that belonged to Elimelech, her husband, and her two sons. And the other man thinks, oh, that's a great deal. I can enlarge my estate. This is only ka-ching, money is coming my way. He thinks, I'll just have to buy that field, but then I'm going to get my, I'll, I'll get the profits for life. And then Boaz, who's very clever, says to him, ah, yes, um, yes, my friend, there's the, you know, you, you, can, you can buy. Just one thing, oh, yes, says the other one, just one thing, you'll also have to marry Ruth, the Moabitess. And... Of course, you'll have to look after Naomi. You'll have to pay for their upkeep. And you will also, of course, not ever really own the field that you buy because it will be always in the name of Ruth's husband, Marlon, and Naomi's husband, Elimelech. And at this, the other man says, oh, well, uh, maybe not. I think perhaps I won't redeem uh, because that will, that will be a little bit costly. He, says, that will in, he, puts it, he puts it politely. He says, that will endanger my own estate. What he means is that will cost far too much. I'm not doing that. And so Boaz is absolutely thrilled because he gets his way and gets to marry Ruth, who he loves. And you know what? The way they did a deal in those days, nowadays we sign on the dotted line and we get the signature witnessed. In those days, they did it a slightly strange way. This is why I put my sandals on, is that they did the deal in public. One of them, in this case, the other kinsman redeemer, took off his sandal. They are my worthy Birkenstocks. 
and he passed it over in front of everybody to Boaz. And so Boaz is sitting there as happy as he'd ever been in his whole life, the other bloke's sandal in his hand, and he says, listen, let me read you um, from chapter 4. Sandal in hand, he says this. He says, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Marlon, and I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the property. And so the name never dies out in Israel. And so Boaz, the strong redeemer. By the way, Boaz, the name means strength is in him. That's what the name Boaz means in Hebrew, Boaz. So, Ruth, the kindness of the devoted outsider. Boaz, the kindness of the strong redeemer. They have this great marriage. And then they produce this little baby. And the little baby's called Obed. Anyone here called Obed? No, I didn't think so. Then they, Obed had a baby called Jesse. Anyone here called Jesse? No. We wanted to call, a, Katie wanted to call one of our children Jesse, and unfortunately, and I don't know why, because I think it's a lovely name, we used to use it as an insult when we were children, and um, so we never called our child Jesse. But that would have been nice, because there's a Jesse in the Bible. So we've got Jesse, so we've got Obed was the baby that Ruth had, then Obed had a child, Jesse. Jesse had a child called David. And David became the king, the greatest king, the greatest king of Israel. And God came to David and said to David, one day the great saviour of the world, Jesus, is going to be born into your family. So the amazing thing was... Ruth and Boaz became, they became the great-grandparents of King David, and they also became the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great, etc., grandparents of Jesus. They were taken into the line of God's promise. It's amazing. God brings this total outsider, Ruth, and he brings her right into the heart of what he's doing, this promise of his. The amazing thing is that Ruth and Boaz, it's not just that we look at them and we think, oh, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to be devoted like Ruth, full of love. I'd like to be kind like Boaz, full of love. I'd like to be like that. But there's more than that. Why is this story really here? Because... Ruth and Boaz show us something about Jesus. Just think about that. The strong redeemer. The strong redeemer who takes the outsider, pays a great price to bring her into his heart and his home and his life. Sounds very much like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus, who is full of all the riches of heaven, and then who comes down into this world and pays an enormous cost on the cross so that he can welcome outsiders, like all of us, really, 
into his family. And he still does that today. He loves to bring in outsiders. And so, the, uh, I, could, I think of Ruth. Can you imagine Ruth? Settle, we've got a lot to learn from Ruth as well. How do we come to God? We say to him, oh God, you will be my God. I'm going to take you as my God. Just like she said, I will take you as my God. So, just imagine Ruth on that first night after she got married to Boaz, lying down in that house, thinking, wow, can it really be true? Can it really be me? Funny little me? Moabite little me here? Boaz's bride? I think we can sometimes think the same thing. Really, God reaches out to me through Jesus, loves me, Funny, strange, little, dirty, little, guilty, little, screwed up, little, dysfunctional, little, arrogant, little, proud, little me, that he reaches out and takes us? Could that really be true? Well, it is. His love reaches out to us from this ancient story and says, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever, your, whatever the things in your life that come back and you think of and make your hair stand on end, the hairs on your back stand on end because you just think, I wish, I wish I could erase that. That's awful. I wish that could... God says, no. Jesus says, no, your strong redeemer loves you anyway and wants to bring you into his house and into his presence, into his arms, his love, like Boaz did. And so the instruction, really, what are we to do about this? Well, the answer is we're to do a Ruth. Remember how Ruth gave herself to Naomi and to God and said, I'm going to be yours. I'm going to be yours. Whatever comes. That's what we say back to God. God says to us, come. And we say, I'm coming. God says to us, trust me. And we say, I will. God says, will you take me? And we say, I will. Jesus says, I will share everything with you, and we say, and I will share everything with you. And we're joined together with our God, with his son Jesus, who loves us, and shows us that through this amazing story of Ruth and Naomi. So what does Prince George have? Well, I've got a bit of sellotape on my sock. Hang on a minute. It's good to get that off. What does George have? Prince George for his bedtime story. Does he read the stories about the wonderful people of the past who can teach him something about what it's all about? I hope so. What, is, what do we learn as we read this story? We learn about a greater king, Jesus, who reaches out to us and draws us in. So let's pray now and ask that all of us will draw closer to him Heavenly Father, thank you for reaching out to us through Jesus, the strong redeemer. We pray that like Ruth, the devoted outsider, we would respond with love for him. And binding ourselves to him, may we know the joy of him binding himself to us. Set us free from all our uh, self-doubts and self-loathing and self-consciousness and all the other things that hold us back. And may we grab hold of Jesus who loved us and gave himself to redeem us for himself. For we ask it in his name.
Amen.